Paging Dr. Siler. Paging Dr. Siler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I'm your host, Lee Seiler, also known as the Stock Doctor, but the rest of the crew is in the house. We have Justin, Jared, and Nikki all here. We have a lot to go over. It was a uh, packed, economic-filled week, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's just been, uh, it's been lunacy around here. Non-stop. And it's not just finance, it's everything. I mean, on the global stage, things are just crazy out there right now. You know, it, well, not more crazier than the millennial moment today, by the way. And <laughs> yeah. if you guys, uh, please stick around for the second segment, because segment number two, Nikki's going to talk about the, the metaverse and some things going on there, which to me is more lunacy than what we're seeing in the markets or anywhere else. It's oh, insane in the real world and in the digital world. Crazy, crazy. But we're going to talk about, of course, look, we, we're not going to get in that much about the Ukraine and, and the Russia situation. Uh, we'll let the uh, talking heads on the news and the, and the major networks do that. But we're going to talk about how it could potentially affect us economically. That's where I'm concerned about. Right. Uh, also, some great earnings out of the retailers. I mean, Target knocked the cover off the ball. Lowe's had a great quarter. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, Nordstrom had a pretty good quarter, which is unexpected. We'll talk about ETFs and the portfolio we put together for ETFs. We got stock ideas, which is the dirty dozen stock ideas that we published last week. If you want a copy of that, you can call the office. In the meantime, uh, also, there's a lot of things you can call the office for. We have the 30 tips of investing in the stock market, weekly newsletter. We also have, uh, we offer tax preparation. So, uh, Jared, you are our tax preparer. And um, I know you have limited appointments, but if they do want to make an appointment with you for late next week, yeah, late next week. Uh, probably going to take about thirty more clients for this tax year. So if uh, if you have if you have taxes that need done, and if you want to know um, what your risk is for your investments accounts, your four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs, IRAs, uh, you can kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. So you're doing more than just preparing taxes. You're actually taking a look at somebody's risk tolerance in their portfolios, which is actually uh, I don't know of any many tax prepare people that do that. So. Well, you see, after a bull market, especially like the one that we had, a lot of people are taking way too much risk, especially if you're near retirement. Um, and in your four hundred one ks are where most of your money. And assets is. So it's a nice to know what your risk is and what you're getting in return for that. Yeah. So the office number is 407 831 8002. 407 831 8002. Use that to uh, set time with one of us to discuss your portfolios, to get your taxes done, to uh, get on the newsletter, a lot of different You can also fee uh, email feedback at stock 
stockdr.com. That's feedback at stockdr.com. So before we get started, let's talk about when we are recording the show, because we are not doing it live this Sunday morning. We are uh, pre-taping it, and we're a little bit earlier on the tape uh, schedule. It is 11.30 a.m. on Thursday, March 3rd, 11.30 a.m. on Thursday, March 3rd. So the markets are open. Let me tell you what the markets are doing right now, and then we can go back to what has been going on in the last week or so. The Dow Jones currently down 112 points. We did stage a rally right out of the gate. We are up a couple hundred points, so that's a 300-point swing to the downside. NASDAQ down 140, and uh, the S&P down 21. So that being said, last week's action wasn't bad. It started out really, really bad, where the markets were absolutely getting punished for what was going on in the Russia-Ukraine situation, and that's a a, a crap show. I would say something else if we weren't on the air, but uh, the Dow Jones ended up basically break-even for all intents and purposes, down 0.3%, but the S&P was up, the NASDAQ was up, the Russell 2000, the small caps, had a really good week, up 1.5%. In fact... For the month of February, which was a down month across the board for the Dow, the NAS, and the S&P 500, the Russell 2000, which is something we have been accumulating for our clients because we see that shift from growth to value and part of the most valuable sector or segment of the stock market are the small and mid caps because they didn't participate with these rallies over the last couple of years. So the Russell in the month of February up 0.6%. Well, everything else was down three to three and a half percent. So to me, that that's, that clearly tells you where money is going. There's a shift. There's a shift for sure. Um, strongest sectors, of course, healthcare, real estate, utilities, there was defensive, uh, consumer discretionary, staples, and financials were on the downside. Where is everybody concerned about as an investor? You're concerned about inflation first and foremost. I think, yes, the recent uh, things going on in Eastern Europe that's on your television all day long, that is causing concern. But really what I hear a lot of people talking about is the price at the gas pumps. We saw oil top West Texas Intermediate topped $110 first time in over 10 years. Yep. And on Wednesday, OPEC, you know, said that they're going to hold steady as far as output is concerned. So we're not going to see any relief there. I mean, where we are, the the United States is going to release some of their oil reserves, reserves. uh, but that's not going to be enough. It's a drop in the barrel. Yeah, that's not really going to make much of a difference at all, to be no. honest. I, I feel like that's theater. Hey, we're going to do this. No, it's not really going to matter. Look, there's a lot of con- there's a lot of concerns about the sanctions and and how that could affect our economy, and we're gonna we're gonna discuss that. But one of the main sanctions that I hear a lot of people talking about is that why do we continue to to let them produce oil and sell it? Well, it, it is a really really great question because if you really want to hurt them. You could, you could stop that. However, that would cause oil prices to, who knows how high it, it would go. You'd have to be able to find the oil somewhere else. Um, and realistically, right now, there's not really anywhere else that you can get it from. And I mean, you, I guess you go to Saudi Arabia. Um, do you want to get in bed with them, though? I don't know. I feel like at this price, at, at where oil is, it's it's attractive enough for us to start doing what we've been doing again. I, I, when when we prices are low, oil than Saudi Arabia, right, by the way. Right. When prices are low, it's not worth it. Right. You know, but when prices are where they are right now, we'll, we'll start to, to light up some of these wells and we'll start to, to, to frack and, and do what we need to do. It's just, people don't want that. We don't want to frack here in our, our, on our 
country. Frack that. Frack that. They should. Hey, listen, uh, that's not the only thing that's that's disconcerting, is that this assault that uh, Russia has has put upon the Ukrainian people, which is just devastating and, and horrific, has taken wheat prices to sky-high levels. I mean, the futures on wheat were lock-limit up day in and day out. In fact, the Russian exchanges have been closed. Right. Mm-hmm. And corn futures also are advancing. Which, you know, yes, we talked about this in last week's show. I don't think I, I don't think I realized that Russia was the number one wheat producer in the world. And the Ukraine is uh, top four as far as wheat production in the world. So that's also disconcerting. I, I tend to, and I said this last week, I truly believe that this is kind of the sign that inflation's probably peaking out. I know a lot of people disagree, and I hear a lot of the pundits on TV saying, oh, it's going to get worse, going to get worse. It, it may get worse, but I think that we'll start peaking out June, July. We're going to see prices start to go down. Oil prices, we can't control that right now. And it's not likely, they're not likely to go down during the summer months. No. I mean, you are going to that, they say, the summer driving season. Yeah. But it was a really confusing week for the pundits last week. I mean, the bears were saying, see, we were right. It's getting the market should be should be hammered and blah, 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 blah. But by the end of the week, we saw we saw signs that, hey, the market has some power behind it. And maybe there is some some value propositions there. Maybe there's uh, there's been a lot of pain. And keep in mind, a lot of the pain in the market that we're seeing now, a lot of that was front loaded because one third of the S&P 500 stocks. So. 155 of them already down 15, 20%. That's the average. Uh, the NASDAQ, the average stock on the NASDAQ is down 40%. That's crazy to me. While the average is down near 15, 12 yeah. to 15, depending on the day. So, you know, it was, I hadn't seen signs of a bottom until Thursday, Friday. Thursday, you saw the turnaround, and then Friday, right out of the gate rally. And, I started seeing on Thursday afternoon, I started seeing some towel throwing, some capitulation. Uh, it looks like traders were looking to throw in the towel. They, they were saying, you know what, I'm over this, I'm done. And that's really what you want to see. So I'm starting to see signs of a bottom. However, I still think you need to have a, a retest probably. And, you know, that can happen. I mean, today we're down a little bit. I don't know when that retest, but normally there is a retest and you want one more shakeout. But Jay Powell spoke yesterday mm-hmm. and it seems that the 50 basis point rate hike that was a foregone conclusion a few weeks ago that in this meeting coming up here in the next week or so that seems to be off the table now apparently yeah he came out and said that he supports a, a quarter point rate hike and that the fed would you know move carefully on future hikes so i think that the market was reassured that he's not going to overshoot and kill growth you know, I still think we're in for three to four hikes. I don't believe there's going to be seven in the cards. And I don't think the futures were saying seven. Now the futures are between five and six. So that's something that, but I, I'll tell you this, regardless, I don't envy Jay Powell and what he has to deal with now. No. It's one thing about inflation. There's one thing about the economy overheating, the employment situation. But now you have this, we don't know how the sanctions on Russia are going to affect our economy yet, and he probably doesn't know. And also just globally. I think that this has been a real lesson in the fact that we are a global economy. So, you know, wheat, not necessarily, those prices skyrocketing aren't necessarily going to affect us in the United States, but they are going to affect places like Egypt that also import most of their wheat from Russia. Well, let's put it in perspective. I mean, the fact of the matter is the U.S. economy 
is 14 times larger than the Russian economy, and so which puts the Russian economy about the size of the state of New York. Now, the state of New York is a is a huge economy, right? But on a world basis, Russia's as big as New York. That's crazy to me. Like to really put things into perspective, Russia seems like they're such a superpower. They seem like they're so huge, but the reality is their economy is the size of New York. Well, two thirds or a, a big chunk of their country is uninhabitable. It's just for the tundra, most part. right? It's just frozen wasteland. That's all it is. So, look, we know the Fed is going to stop buying bonds. That's going to end this month, and that alone would put pressure on rates. Look, believe it or not, the ten-year Treasury dropped in the last week because of all the concern what's going around the world, you know, there is a flight to safety and that flight to safety, there's nothing safer than the, than the treasury U S treasury bonds in this world right now. So buying came in that took yields down a little bit, but I think that's just a short term phenomenon and rates will, will soon start inching back higher. And we're going to see the 10 year at 2%, 2.5%. There's no doubt in my mind, which is where the fed wants it to be. That is their target. Yeah, and that's going to put pressure on mortgage rates. It's going to look. There's a lot going on, and we're going to talk about when we come back about what Goldman Sachs is saying because they see inflation getting worse, and they're suggesting there should be more rate hikes. But again, this is Goldman Sachs. That's their opinion, and we don't know. Again, I don't think Goldman Sachs knows what's going to happen as far as uh, the sanctions, and we can talk about that as well. But. How are the sanctions against Russia going to affect the world economy? Nobody knows that yet. But you are listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Give us a call at the office, 407-831-8002. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. Did you know most people give up on their New Year's resolutions in less than 30 days? If your 2022 goals include making and saving more money, you can't afford to give up. I'm Lee Seiler, the Stock Doctor from Seiler Wealth Management. My team and I can help get professional insight to market challenges and key investment opportunities. Schedule a free consultation where we can find custom ways to grow your finances in the new year. Call 888-855-2855 or visit stockdr.com today for a free consultation. Hi, I'm Nikki Ward. If you'd like to work with a powerful female financial advisor that's legally bound to do what's in your best interest and will work with you to create a detailed financial plan that reflects your goals and risk tolerance, give me, Nikki Ward, a call at 888-855-2855 or shoot me an email at nikki at stockdr.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. We have Justin, Jared, Nikki all in the house. We have our, our millennial moment coming up in just a few moments. And that is going to be really interesting because it's something I just don't understand. I'm licking my chops. I cannot wait to talk about this. I don't understand. Uh, I don't. Uh, yes, yeah. generation. Let's just save it. Let's wait. All right, she, Nikki's going to this generation. It's the next generation. Uh, whatever. Next I, generation. I I don't know I, the kind of money that we're seeing change hands and 
I don't know what generation it is, but they are spoiled. It sounds just all like a bunch of video games to me. Yeah. All right. So, um, by the way, you can reach us at the office for tax preparation. Uh, we also can do, again, with your tax preparation, we'll include a portfolio review and analysis. But call the office 407-831-8002. 407-831-8002. Uh, Jackson Hewitt won't do this. H&R Block won't do this. But we can do that here. Uh, so before the break, I was talking about Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs has raised their expectations for inflation and interest rates. Um, they are increasingly concerned about the pace of inflation. We all are. And they believe that it will continue on a very high pace. And th that, that leads them to think that by the end of 2023, it would have we would have had 11 rate hikes. Feels slightly too aggressive for me. I, I just don't know that I, I'm on that page yet. Yeah, I don't think I am either. But, you know, 11 rate hikes would put ultimately the Fed funds between 275 and 3, which is historic. Yeah, it sounds historically about where it has averaged. Yeah, it sounds reasonable. It, it does sound reasonable, <laughs> but it's a long way from here is the problem. So uh, let's talk about what we're now in the month of March. We're uh, at tail end of the first quarter. Let's talk about seasonality because that does lead into some investing strategy. The month of March, you normally will see, normally, <laughs> mid-month rally, mid-month strength, followed by late-month weakness. So over the last 21 years, the S&P has been up 12 and down 9 for the month of March, averaged 0.7%. And the Typically, it's the sixth best month of the year for the S&P. Now, the Mar March has been really turbulent lately. Of course, we had the 200, uh, 2020 sell-off with the pandemic, which kind of hurt things as far as the numbers are concerned. But the NASDAQ, however, March is the third best month, with a caveat, during the midterm election year. And it has an average gain of 1.3% during the month of March. So we are suggesting everybody to stick with quality in anything you buy. You want to buy the leaders, buy quality, and I've come out with a dirty dozen list, which are 12 great stocks I think you can own for the next couple of years, and look for the sectors in the market that are working in this environment. I just I just want you to comment. You know, this is something that we do discuss quite a bit, and that's buying quality, buying companies that, that you know, have got the financials. But I want you to explain what you mean when you say to buy quality. Well, you want to buy companies that have good earnings, good growth, good management. Uh, I, I, in this environment, I think you got to buy the the name brands. Okay. You know, and on my dirty dozen list, I'll throw a few names out there. I think Google's a great opportunity. Lowe's, Microsoft, GM, cheap, Las Vegas Sands, Disney. Those are some of the ones that are on the dirty dozen list. And these are I published this last week. These are stocks we call them growth at reasonable prices from Phil, um, Philip Navalier. And uh, it is his acronym, not mine. Ugh. But it is there. You're getting good growth. I mean, I think Google is a steal at these levels. You're going to have a 20 for one split gives you short term gratification. Mm -hmm. You know, Tesla cheap. And I have the prices on there, too. But you're looking for the, the best of the best in the sectors. I just think that a lot of the time that I hear people that are, are sort of new to investing, discussing quality. Yeah. Then they say, oh, it's great company, great quality stock. And then they talk about trash and it drives me insane. Well, I hear something different now. Yeah, I'm hearing the theme music for our millennial moment. This is what I hear, and I and I see the what the arms up in the air waving, and it is time for our millennial moment, which we are waiting with bated breath to hear about this one. Our megalennial herself, Miss Nikki Ward. Uh, 
So it's no secret that the real estate market is red hot, but there's another little known land rush with some investors paying millions for plots of land that do not physically exist here on Earth or on any planet for that matter. A figment of your, figment of your imagination? Oh, my, I've got a very funny story about that. When I was a kid, I used to say, you know, oh, I would ask my parents questions about before I was alive. And they'd say, oh, you were just a figment of our imagination. And I thought I was like a little USB port. And they weren't ready to plug me in yet. And then that was like how I came to be. Kind of. I, I see it that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the plug-in part, anyway. Right. Oh, God. All right. So the land that I'm talking about and referring to that is a figment of our imagination is located online in a set of virtual worlds that techies have dubbed the metaverse. So prices for plots of digital land have soared as much as 500% in the last few months ever since Facebook went all in on VR and changed its corporate name to Meta Platforms. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go walk in oncoming traffic really quick. Yeah. Terrible. So... When you buy a plot of virtual real estate, you get a non-fungible token representing essentially digital space. So you create an account in one of the metaverse platforms. You can use your crypto to purchase land either through a land sale of a project or directly from the landowners. Your virtual real estate agent? There are virtual and IRL real estate agents. They typically uh, partake in both worlds. And there are commercial developers. There are It's quite happen in space are you buying this plot of digital land from somebody who started it you could you could be buying it from the landowner or someone who how just d- has the nft before how does you. how does one become that guy yeah <laughs> i want to know that guy 500 I, I would sort of like to, to you miss the boat to fashion some of this this you know uh imaginary property to sell off to idiots with more money than brains yeah so there Sounds are four major platforms that you should know the big four are the sandbox Decentraland, CryptoVoxels, and Somnium. So real estate sales in those four platforms reached $501 million in 2021. At its current pace, Metaverse real estate sales could top $1 billion in 2022. So just like property in the real world, the Metaverse is about three things. Location, location, location. So think about the board game Monopoly. You just bought the boardwalk and the surrounding areas. So Areas where people congregate are far more valuable. Yeah, but you're around that corner in your Baltic Avenue. Hood adjacent. The hood. All right. And so it's far more valuable for advertisers and retailers to find ways to get into those hot locations in order to access that demographic. So, for example, Snoop Dogg is building a virtual mansion on, that is an exact replica of his actual mansion. Is it virtual Mal- Malibu Beach virtual? Yep, Exactly. Virtual mansion on a plot of land in the sandbox, and someone recently paid four hundred and fifty thousand real dollars to be his neighbor. An idiot and his money will soon part ways. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That is just ridiculous. Now, the best part about this is that theoretically, you get to say, in the imaginary world, I live next door to Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dog. In the real world. You don't even know if that's actually Snoop Dogg. It's just a pretend... One of his employees. Or just a pretend plot of fake land that that has a sign on it that says Snoop Dogg lives here. I want to email a list of everybody who's bought these kind of properties because I have some beachfront property in Utah that I would love to sell them. Right. It's got to be digital. I mean... Make that up? I think I, think I can make that right, happen. So, Nikki... Do these idiots realize that there's actual <laughs> property for sale in the world? Well, what, what she's saying is you can... You buy the lot, and you have to 
pay to build on it. Yep. You or know the code or whatever. It's you have to know how to code. I mean, but you can build on it whatever you want. A tower, a museum, you can change it. It's like the Sims. You can change it every day. You don't have to wait on supply chain shortages for your furniture in the digital world. You just create it. And you said something to me the other day that I, I was blown away by. If you there's your avatar mm-hmm. can go and to Snoop Dogg's party, a, fictitious, For, a, a virtual party. So your your ticket price is a little hefty. It's $3,700 <laughs> to have the privilege of partying with Snoop. His avatar. His avatar, Snoop's avatar, within the metaverse. And you can ask Snoop's avatar whatever you'd like. Uh, or, I don't even know what to I don't, Basically, I, I just want to point out that the likelihood that s- the real Snoop Dogg is sitting at a computer hands on a keyboard during this party is very low. Wait, there's no, no keyboard, right? It's all you're doing the virtual goggles. Okay, whatever right? it is. He's is sitting he's okay. sitting with his his goggles and his get with and the his program, Justin. I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a dinosaur apparently. He's he, the I'm just saying my point doesn't change. The likelihood that it's actually Snoop wearing the right. stupid glasses and the and and you're interacting in this pretend world with the real Snoop. I I feel like he probably pays somebody to do that for him and so, so this this notch that you get to put on your on on your, your belt that you hung out with Snoop, not real. So speaking of putting money where your mouth is, I mean, Nike and Walmart are joining the Metaverse Gold Rush. You've also got high-end retailers like Louis Vuitton. You've got major artists, Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, that are performing as their own avatars within So what, are you going to buy bottled water at Walmart, virtual Walmart? Your no, I'm going to go buy the latest Nike exclusive dad shoe, and I'm going to let my little avatar wear it in the Metaverse for bragging rights. And everyone's going to see my little avatar in those hot new shoes and be jealous. The beginning of the end. I don't understand. All right. So in January alone, sales of metaverse real estate topped 85 million. What regardless of what we think at this table, investors have been bullish on the metaverse, betting that young people used to spending so much time online will just naturally gravitate towards this next development. You know, but the verdict it, it's not it's not in yet. Like honestly, I get it. I get that I'm I'm a dinosaur and, and that I'm not really You sound very get off my lawn. No, I feel like if you tracked where these transactions are actually taking place, that it's just a huge number of people in either somewhere in the Middle East or all on the coast in in California. These these are like, you know, web millionaire people who are who are just throwing stupid money away for lack of a better thing to do with it. Perhaps these are the Russians that live in the uninhabitable part, and so they're spending more time online with their avatars than they would prefer to be outside. Maybe. Well, interesting story, Nikki. We really appreciate your millennial moment today, although I still don't understand it. I assure you... It's the if, future. If you become a client of Siler Wealth Management, we will never bring you a virtual stock or a virtual bond or a virtual no, piece of real estate. No non-fungible. No. no, but I did have a client call yesterday and ask me to explain blockchain to them, so that was exciting. Well, you're good at that. You I enjoyed that. it. That was Nikki Ward, our megalennial, trying to explain to us about this virtual lunacy world. I feel like she gets personally like sort of offended if we act like it's a silly thing. Oh, no, I just think that you guys aren't evolving with the times. Do you think it's silly? I don't. I think that this is going to be... Uh, all of you are on social media. This is just the next iteration of social media. You think that spending $450,000 on an NFT isn't silly? It's only silly because it's next to Snoop Dogg, who I couldn't care less about. I don't know. I'd like to live next to him in real life. 
Nah. Well, let's uh, let's go to a listener question before we go to the next segment, all right? Because we only have a minute left. Uh, Jackie from Orlando, and by the way, if you have a question, you can call the office and just ask it. Leave it on a voicemail or ask it uh, to, to somebody. Um, 407-831-8002. Jackie from Orlando, what do you think would happen to the market if there was a full-blown world war? Could our economy go into a depression and the market collapse? That is a really interesting question because you can't say it's not in the back of your mind. Right, and it's a scary question a when scary you realize question. how possible it actually is. Because if somebody presses the button, mm -hmm. then we're on a world war. Right now, we're staying out of it militarily-wise as far as our troops. No boots on the ground. No boots on the ground, And but what if? And that is a legit question. I would say that the market would be in trouble. I would say that could there be a an absolute crack in the in stocks? Yes. Could it go down forty percent? Sure. Um, could the economy go into a depression after that? I think all that could happen. It would be similar to what we saw and experienced in March of 2020. It's an exogenous shock. It right. has nothing to do with the fundamentals of the companies that make up our economy, but it could have short-term ramifications. I will say that the conversation that I've had the most when it comes to this question from clients has really been more to remind them that when this has popped up in the past, something just popped up and shocked the world. The question mark is what we had a hard time digesting, and then it became the new reality, and things went right back to normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a tough question. I, I would say all that could happen, absolutely. Uh, the, the probability, I think it's highly unlikely, but who knows? Who thought that the government or the, the world would shut down for two years? Nobody knew, thought that. Right. Hey, you're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. Don't go anywhere. We have one more segment left. We'll be right back. I'm Justin Kenny, and I've been working in financial services for over 20 years now and in fee-based asset management for the last decade. The beauty of what we do here at Siler Wealth Management is that we are always committed to our clients' best interests. We don't have any proprietary products that make us a ton of money. We communicate with our clients to ensure your investment objectives and risk tolerance are still where they were the last time we met. I want to talk with you about your goals and assist you with the choices that will help you sleep better at night. Call me, ask for Justin at 888-855-2855 to discuss how Siler Wealth Management can help you meet your goals. Hi, I'm the Stock Doctor. As a thank you for listening to the show, we'd like to offer you a little something for free. Ideally, we would like you to trust us to manage your money. But if you're a hands-on type who wants to make those buy and sell decisions, you can still benefit from my decades of experience. Call 888-855-2855 and ask for the Stock Doctor's 30 Tips for Investing. 888-855-2855 and we'll send you a free copy. We're back. You're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. This is a request by Jared, our fiscal therapist. How does that make you feel? Uh, that song makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I'm smiling like a little kid. <laughs> yes. Cheshire Cat over here. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like he's a little kid and he had to call into the radio station and he finally heard his song. He's so excited. I called in so many times. My first time getting through. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call, Lee. You know what? I'm waiting for the chorus. Right? It's just so many words. I, I would hate to sing this song. No, yeah. How does he find right. the breath? It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end 
It's not the end of the world. Just as we know it. But at least but, I still feel fine. Yeah. According to the lyrics. I mean, it is the end of the world as we know it, though, because we're moving to a virtual world. Oh, this is true. <laughs> That's a world I do not know. Some of us are moving to it. Some of us aren't. So, look, despite everything that's going on in the markets, uh, market analyst, he's uh, from Fundstrat, and he's been pretty accurate, Tom Lee. He says that he believes the market has reached the bottom for the first half of the year. His escalation over this past weekend. Well, here's what's impressive to me, folks, is that you have what's all this going on that we can't control in Eastern Europe, but yet the markets rallied this past Friday right out of the gate rally, which to me was totally shocking. It was unexpected. Because why would you go out and hold a bunch of long positions? Traders we're talking about, not investors. Through. Traders buying a bunch of stuff on Friday when anything can happen over the weekend. Through a weekend when you have no real control. The the, the after hours trading, if you were stuck in a position is unreliable at best, you know, but people felt good about it and and that was a real rally, a decisive one. I just yeah, it was it was bizarre to see because you think that with that going on, nobody knows what's going to happen with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, especially at that point. Uh, now you're looking at it and you see that, well, this is probably going to be long term. You would think since that's not a question mark anymore, you would see more buying as far as right now. But you don't. I, market always never ceases to amaze. Well, Friday felt good. Well, and, you know, he was saying that, uh, you know, it was highly negative as far as escalation. That kind of raises the odds that we probably have seen that first half low. Um, you know, and then we also over the weekend, U.S., Canada and European allies moved to do some key sanctions. I mean, it was some some big things with the uh, SWIFT system, which is uh, the way money gets moved. Um, they announced sanctions against the Russian uh, central bank. So they are doing some things to try and hurt them financially. So, I mean, it seems like I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump in, but it seems like Russia is basically shut down. You know, if banking is shut down, I don't know. You know, I'm sure s their economy is already not that great. No, it's going to be crushed. Well, look at their currency. Right. Yeah. Let's say I cannot imagine waking up. Imagine for people that were about to retire in Russia and waking up and your portfolio is by power. I don't know, that, like I don't know that that's how socialism You will works. work for the rest of your life yeah. or else. I mean, I just couldn't imagine waking up in my portfolio being down 50% as far as buying power. I can't also imagine not being able to withdraw my funds from a bank. And the panic yeah. that that would cause. I can't well, imagine not being able to go out and hold up a sign that's picketing the the, the decisions of the, the government. Hey, you know that Putin won his last election, like 85% oh, of yeah. the Landslide. Always. 85%. Always. Right. Now, those other 15%, they no longer I, with I, us. I honestly yeah. think that's a, that's a... I'm surprised it was that that low. Yeah, I think it was like 85%. <laughs> yeah. surprised it was that low. <laughs> More likely that he won by 107%. We also saw that the U.S. is restricting airways now. They're not going to allow... Russian you mean no fly zone, no fly zone. Yeah. over Ukraine? No, over the United Us. States. I don't yes, know how you that makes sense. Okay. Worse that though, because realistically, if they do that, you're you have to shoot the plane down. I don't know if I don't know if NATO is willing to like do that. Sounds like an act of war. Yeah, that's why I, I don't think. I think that it's more likely that they're they're saying that we don't want any warplanes flying near. It's not even warplanes though. It's, it's yeah, commercial. Anything. Really, anything. Well, let's talk about uh, another type of war, which is cyber war, because that's what we are concerned about right now the new frontier yeah and um you know i know jared you've been really high on the cybersecurity stocks and those are one sector we're, we're going to get into now some ideas those are one sector that has really done extremely well and although corrected like everything else 
they seem to be snapping back quickly. And there's there's a couple ways to play cybersecurity. You can buy the individual stocks, and there are several out there. And the best ones, by the way, we are not uh, making recommendations here. These are just ideas, potentially some stocks that we own or hold for clients, and we're not saying they're good for you. And to make sure that they are appropriate for you in your risk objective. Uh, but that being said, you can take advantage of this sector via a number of ETFs. And uh, we own a large position in, in the first trust NASDAQ cybersecurity ETF, which is CIBR. Again, not a recommendation. There's also another one. Global X has one. It's uh, my favorite symbol, ticker. Bug, B-U-G. And there's another one out there, H-A-C-K, Hack. And they are all very similar. They do look similar on the on the technical basis, meaning the charts. Uh, but that may be a nice sleeve to your portfolio and that hub and spoke approach, maybe a little spoke that you could put a percentage of your portfolio in this because if it does turn to cyber type retaliations, these companies, and we've, and Jared, you've been saying that no matter what happened in the economy, corporate America and the world is going to spend more on cybersecurity regardless of what happens. They're going to need to protect themselves. And that's not, that, that risk is not going to go down any ever. I don't think ever again. I mean, realistically, it is the new frontier as far as warfare goes. You see Russia go into Ukraine. It was the first thing they did to them. It, it's going to keep going that way. I personally like, um, if you want a little bit of a hedge, if there was a world war, uh, you can get into some defensive stocks. Um, I've looked at them. I haven't really bought any yet, but Lockheed, uh, Northrop Grumman um, and Raytheon I like as far as if anything does come into play as far as military-wise and NATO um, in the U.S., whatever. I, those stocks could see huge upticks over the long term, especially since defense spending is likely to rise because this Russia conflict is going to be going on for a while. Yeah, but they've already kind of made big moves. They have, but that doesn't mean that they can't cautious. move higher. That doesn't mean they can't move higher. No, no they can, they're extended, but they can be more extended. So I just want to caution everybody, do not just jump in and, and buy anything without talking to somebody first. And feel free, certainly, to give us a call, 407-831-8002. I like owning stocks that the names that we talked about, quality stocks right. that have gotten beaten up unjustly, have reported a really good quarter, and now are showing signs of a bottom and a little bit of signs of life. And one of those is Microsoft, which is on my dirty dozen list. Microsoft is down from 250, got I'm sorry, uh, 350, got down to below 300. That's where it is right now, below 300. So it was down much further. In fact, uh, a week ago, the stock got down to uh, two and uh, 271. So those are stocks. They, they reported a fantastic quarter. It's trying to bottom. That's something that, hey, that may be an opportunity. That's your metaverse and video game play? You can get that. And there, there's another one on my Dirty Dozen list, too, that even even closer to that. But I think that Google, or Alphabet, the parent company name, is they came out with a great quarter, trying to bottom. They are giving the investors a little short-term bump with the 20-for-one 20, 20 stock split. But that's not happening until July. But what's nice about that is you can go out, oh, it's too expensive, then buy five shares of Google because guess what? In July, you're going to have 100. I also think that it's a low-key reopening play because as digital dollars are going back to ad spend, we're going to see Google benefit from that. They are the largest search engine right. in the world, and YouTube is the second largest search engine. And it's also part of Alphabet. Yeah, I, I like it as a short-term play. You usually see after a stock split, the, the stocks rise as more people th think that they, oh, I now can own Google. It's it's not in based in reality, but realistically, that's what happens when you see a stock split. Usually. Right, and I mean the big move happens pre-split, and then it then you have 
those shares at lower price. Remember, on a stock split, you get no financial benefit from it. There's none. Just cosmetic. It's cosmetic. So we use the example. You have a, a pizza pie. Whether you slice it in four, six, eight, ten, twelve slices, it's the same amount of pizza. It's just different size slices. Any pizza can be a personal pizza if you believe in yourself. If you believe in True. yourself and you try hard enough, <laughs> I've proven this theory. Yeah, I believe I have too. A stock we own, it's not on the dirty dozen list, although it probably should be, but we do own. It's our number eight holding as far as individual stock holdings is Target. And Target's one of those that was going down through all this in the last month since the beginning of the year for really no apparent reason. They came out with a, a quarterly report that was very, very good. They they knocked the cover off the ball earnings-wise. They slightly below revenue-wise. However, they had really strong forward guidance. And, and Justin, you've been around long enough in this business to know that forward guidance is usually more important because the, the stock market trades what's going on for it's a forward, forward indicator right and you know so many times we we wait with bated breath for for earnings season and and people announce that they absolutely clobbered their numbers but <laughs> forward guidance is going to be softer than you know we had originally expected and and then the stock really takes a tumble from there that's really key you know you you forward guidance is is the real deal i saw the target ceo on squawk box and cnbc and he was he said, listen, we've invested a lot of money in remodeling our stores, a lot of money on employees and their comps, which are sales for stores that have been open at least one year, uh, up 12% comps. Good. That is just unheard of. Right. You never see double-digit comps in the retail sector. And their avenue, uh, annual revenue uh, topped $106 billion, which is 36% over the last two years in growth. And he saw that, that tailwind of the pandemic – and I remember the reason we bought the stock is after the last quarter, when I saw him report their quarter saying, yes, inflation's a problem. We're going to try and keep our prices low because we want to make sure the consumer is taken care of. And I said, you know, I think the consumer is going to remember that and stick with them because they're trying. Look, inflation's a problem. We know that. But they're really they're eating a lot of that inflation. Right. They're going to let their margins suffer in the short term for customer loyalty in the long run. I love companies that are thinking the long game. I do, too. I think it's underrated, and it was one of the main reasons I was bullish on Target. Yeah. So some of the other stocks I think are, are forming bottoms. Tesla's on our dirty dozen list. Tesla's forming a bottom. I mean, it's it's down to that 200-day moving average, trying to stay above. And uh, I think that down at these levels could be an opportunity as well. I mentioned Microsoft, AMD in the chip sector. Love AMD. We do not own AMD, but that is also right at that 200-day moving average, which seems to be support. We know their their financials are fantastic. We know the company is hitting on all cylinders. And our, our favorite, uh, my favorite, I'm not going to speak for you guys, my favorite semiconductor is NVIDIA. And that is also a stock that's gone from 346 down to 239 where it is now, hovering the 50-day moving, it's 200-day moving average. We own a good position. In fact, uh, NVIDIA is number six on our individual stock list. We own more Qualcomm only because NVIDIA we bought, we sold half position at a double, bought back that half. So, um, but qual we have two semiconductors now that are top 10 list. We bought back that half at a lower price. Yep. Just wanted to clarify. Listen, we appreciate you guys listening to the show and we're going to come back next week. So give us a call, 407-831-8002. We'll see you next week.